You are listening to the Dr. Denise Simpson Podcast. This is episode number 14. Welcome to the Dr. Denise Simpson Podcast, where every week she'll help you master your internal forces to realize your mental, emotional, and spiritual potential. Here is your host, certified life and leadership coach, Dr. Denise Simpson. Hey there, what is happening, my friend? I am so happy you pressed play because we have a really, really great conversation today. I'm talking about the most powerful tool in your possession. What is it? It's your brain. Well, specifically your mind, <laughs> because the mind is the brain in motion. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why I'm so interested in the brain, in the mind, and all the things. And also three very important principles that I want to share with you in regards to the mind. So stay tuned. We're going to dive right into that. But before we do that, I want to welcome you to my private community. It's called Align 365 over on Facebook. There you will have direct access to me. I know. So my clients get one-on-one and guess what? So do you, my community members. So make sure you go over to Facebook, type in Align, A-L-I-G-N 365 with Dr. Denise Simpson, and I will let you right in. So go knock on my door so I can let you into the house. Yes, this is an opportunity for you to come in, get direct access to me, plus monthly live coaching opportunities with yours truly. So please take advantage of this free opportunity for us to spend some time together, for us to talk about your coaching challenges, your life challenges, and all the things. So Align 365 with Dr. Denise Simpson is what you need to look for. All right, so let's get started on this conversation today. The most powerful tool in your possession is your brain. That's right, my friend. That three-pound organ, that three-pound... <laughs> gray, white, pinkish matter that sits between your ears is the most powerful tool in your possession. Here's what is so cool about this. You don't have to go buy it somewhere. You don't have to go create it somewhere. It is in your head, right? You were born with this magnificent, powerful tool. But so many of us do not use it to its fullest potential. So we got to discipline it. We have to train it. We have to get it in order. But before we do that, we have to understand a few principles around the mind. So on today's episode, we're just going to focus on three principles that I want for you to get comfortable with. 
Future episodes, we'll get into some deeper conversations, but for today's episode, just three that I want to share with you. But before we get into that, I want to share a little bit about my history, why I'm so darn interested in this topic. No, I am not an expert, so that's a disclaimer. (laughs) My PhD is in leadership studies, not in neuroscience, for a very, very simple reason. It would have totally derailed my future plans, for real. Yeah, I just wanted to expand upon my leadership experience and my knowledge. You know, I'd done an undergrad and a graduate degree all in business and really just wanted to continue on that path. And so it's worked out really well, don't you think? A PhD in leadership studies? (laughs) I think so. Plus to have, you know, gone from business to neuroscience was a bit out there for me. So I just continued on my path and have done really, really well in this industry. So that's why I don't have a PhD in neuroscience. Yay. But I'm still super obsessed and really, really interested in this subject. I'm always, always looking at the latest research. I'm always looking at ways to use brain science to empower us to create these beautiful, magnificent lives that we want. And all because of one woman, my mom. My mom is the reason why I have taken such an active and deep interest in this field of neuroscience. She battled with dementia and Alzheimer's for about 15 years. My mom was first diagnosed with dementia in her late 40s. So she was actually 48 when she started showing signs of memory loss. And it was pretty drastic. It was really quick. At least it seemed like that for me. I was 20 years old. I was finishing my junior year in college, getting ready to go back home to take some summer courses and, you know, wrapping up the school year. And I remembered mom telling me, we need to prepare you for your last year in college in that I can't pay for your tuition anymore. I'm going to have to leave my job. I'm taking an early retirement. And I remembered my brain going, are you out of your mind, lady? Like, what do you mean? I've got one more year left and you're going to screw this all up because you want to retire early? And I remembered saying, you're only 48 years old. What are you doing, lady? I was so naive, so, so egotistical too. I was super self-centered. Obviously, I was, you know, building my career, getting my education. I was already looking long-term. I've always been a planner, so I'm always looking at, you know, five, 10 years ahead. And I was already picturing myself with a PhD. I was already done with education. I was already starting a family. I was in a great corporate job. I was all the things. So I had a very clear vision for myself. So when a 20-year-old self-centered girl, because that's what I was at the time, really, honestly, a girl, when she is told that she needs to go figure out how she's going to pay for college, or at least the last year of her college, you know, that brain went into panic mode. Honestly, I went into like super survival mode. And then I started to like freak out. And not until I started to see her in her daily actions and interactions with us, did I realize what was happening and why she needed to leave her job. She was already showing 
really aggressive signs of memory loss. She didn't know how to tie her shoes anymore. She didn't know what day of the of the week. She didn't know what year she was living in. She didn't know who the president was at that time. She didn't know how to count coins. She didn't know what a dollar was. She was already really aggressive in her in her memory loss. And I remembered you know, going back home after that summer break, because I was with her for that summer taking courses at my local university. And I remember going back a little early to to where I was going to school. And I went into the financial aid office and was in there crying and bawling my eyes out because I didn't know what a financial aid loan was. I didn't know how to apply for financial aid. I didn't know how I was going to pay for my senior year. And I remember the the financial aid officer was so kind to me. She said, it's okay, sit down, let's talk. What's happening? And I said, I don't know if I can stay here and finish this year. I think it's best that I go back home. I just finished two, you know, two courses, got all, you know, six credits that summer. I am, you know, I, I'm well ahead of the curve here. I may be able to graduate in a semester. And I think maybe I should just return home. And I remember her saying, no, <laughs> we're going to make this happen. <laughs> well, she really wanted to graduate from her university. So, so of course she made it happen. And she helped me fill out the forms. My dad helped too with the financial aid information. And I just, you know, I was like saved. I felt like, oh my gosh, okay, my dreams can come true. And so that was the senior year, the year that I really had to look at graduate school very differently, look at advancing in my career even faster. I was already, you know, prepared now because mom couldn't help and that was the bulk of my financial resources. You know, dad has had always done what he could with multiple jobs, um, including mom. You know, for them, education was primary for their girls to have. And so they did what they needed to do to put us through private Catholic school to get us through college. My parents were the ideal parents in that way. Their marriage sucked. They hated each other, but they stayed together for us. And we felt that love. We knew we were loved by them. And so that was, you know, the turning point for me, my senior going into my senior year in college. And it was also a turning point in trying to understand what was happening in her brain. I was so interested in what was going on? What was happening? Why was she losing her memory? How did how could could we have prevented this? Are there, you know, genetic markers in in her DNA? Anyone in the family has suffered from dementia or Alzheimer's? What is happening to her? How could we fix this? Is there a way to fix this? Can we reverse this? Can we stop this? So that's when I became very intrigued with this science, with brain science. And started to do research on my own. And when I would take her to the neurologist, I would ask a ton of questions. I was always so very interested. I would always come with a list of questions of things I had researched, medications that were out in the market. Um, I would come in with clinical studies. I would share my, you know, share the results, share my opinions. And the poor doctor was like, who are you? I mean, I remembered I had one doctor going, are you a nurse? Like, are you going to medical school or, or like, why are you, why do you know so much about this 
disease. I'm like, this is my mom. <laughs> of course I, I know about this disease and I want to learn more about it. So yeah, jerk, like, why don't you know more than I do? So I remembered going into these appointments very prepared. And so for me, it was taking a very, very deep interest in this because of her. I wanted to equip myself and equip my sisters with the right information so that we can make decisions together, so that we were prepared with the long-term effects. We were prepared with what medications worked out in the market and which ones weren't, which ones aren't going to work for her. You know, we also had to really learn about Medicaid and and all of the, you know, health benefits out there that she was able to get. You know, she was already, you know, pre-retired. She we tapped into her 401k to help with everything else and so she was depleted and so was dad. So we were preparing really to to care for her and and my poor dad did the best that he could he really did um but the interest really did come from her and wanting to help her and and we could you know in helping her we were again better equipped to handle what was going to happen so fast forward to her mid 50s and and being diagnosed finally with alzheimer's so it took us from understanding dementia really finding compassion around what was happening again understanding around what's happening in her brain and then finally getting this diagnosis almost felt like a relief for all of us we're like okay it's official now so that then took us to yet a higher understanding of this disease. And I remembered that was also a turning point for me because I started to now look at her lifestyle, her diet, her exercise pre this disease, pre dementia. I wanted to know what she was, you know, exposed to as a little girl. What were her, you know, habits? What was her lifestyle? What would she eat? What was her diet? You know, she and I and the rest of us were raised along the Texas Mexican border. And so mom around the 1950s and 60s would travel with her family to farming fields to canning factories all over the country as migrant workers. They were seasonal migrant workers. So they would spend some time in their hometown and then uh, during certain seasons would travel across the U.S. to go and work and support their family. And so at that time, you know, the farming industry was not regulated. They were the workers were exposed to a lot of pesticides and other very toxic things. And because they spent so much time in this migrant industry, you know, was there a possibility that she was exposed to some things that may have, you know, hurt or um, really exacerbated her genetic marker, right? What what were the things that she was eating and exposed to during her youth, during that, you know, prepubescent time, even as a young adult? Like, what was her lifestyle like? And then looking at after, after she married, you know, my dad, you know, she was in the nursing industry. Was she exposed to anything? So there I was now questioning really her lifestyle and wondering, could that have been something that really flared her genetic marker? You know, who in the family, you know, had dementia or Alzheimer's? 
So we had taken a great interest in our family members, our extended family members, you know, her parents, her, you know, her, her mom, her dad, their, you know, their parents, her grandparents. I mean, we were just so interested in the family tree at that point and really the history in our family. So, so much time then was spent really analyzing this disease, trying to understand it, trying to grieve right? Her imminent demise. We were preparing for her death and we prepared by understanding what was happening in her brain. And that is why, my friend, I am very, very interested in this subject matter. And so here I am now in my 40s and very, very interested still in this subject matter. I want to provide my clients, my students, and you, my listeners, with the tools, the tools that are going to empower you to deliberately create these magnificent lives that you deserve. Because this is what I wished for my mother. This is what I had wanted for my mom. So, so many theories came out of all that time spent understanding this disease. And, you know, they're theories at this point. So can't prove them. She's no longer here. And I really don't want to go there on this episode (laughs) because there's so many theories I have. So what I rely on is evidence-based research. I'm always looking for the latest research and up-to-date information on neuroscience. There are a lot of myths out there. There are a lot of things out there that are being written by by people that don't know how to read studies, by people who don't know how to interpret studies, and we are, you know, quoting other experts who, you know, call themselves experts and are, you know, we're misquoting information. They're sharing information that is no longer valid. And so I'm always looking out for the most reliable and up-to-date information to share with my clients. Because if you're coaching leaders, you better bring it. You better come with evidence-based strategies, with tools that have been practiced and proven. And, And because my leaders want fast, transformational results, so it is my responsibility to go and give them what they're looking for. And I rely heavily on the evidence that's out there. So know that when I present something to you on my episodes or here on my podcast or even in my weekly articles, I am bringing to you the most reliable information that I have accessible to us. And I will cite any sources. I will make sure I give credit where credit is due. I'm not here to take anybody's information or anybody's, you know, research. I'm here to share it with the world. And more importantly, share it in a way where we laymen, we people out here trying to do the best that we can, can understand it, right? Because what's the point of a good theory if you can't put it into practice because it's so damn difficult to understand? Listen, I know about that. So... Uh, my job is to make it very simple for us to understand and to implement right away so that we can create these beautiful lives that we so, so deserve to have. 
So let's get into three principles that I'm going to talk a lot about, and you're going to also notice that they're going to, that these are threaded in my articles, in my episodes, or anything I post on social media, even inside my programs. So these are three principles that I live by and want to share them with you today. So principle number one, this is pretty powerful. You, my friend, are responsible for your mind. This is the best news ever. So no one outside of your mind has control over how you think, how you feel, and what you create. No one. So sorry, mom. Sorry, husband or wife. Sorry, all the kids, you know, sorry, but you're not responsible for any of that. You guys are off the hook. It's all good. I can't give you all that control. It's all within me. Yay, me. Yay, you listening to this episode. You are responsible for your mind. So that's first first principle. I think it was important to share that up front. And we're going to get into so much deeper work as we spend some time together on this podcast. So just know, my friend, get used to the idea that you are responsible for your mind. All right, number two, I want for you to approach the results that you've created in your life with a very curious mind. Listen, I'm a researcher. I'm pretty damn good too. I'm open-minded. I'm super inquisitive and I'm devoted, devoted to my growth and my development. So I want you to do the same for yourself. I want for you to start thinking of yourself as a researcher of your life because I want for you to begin to create the results in your life that you want to have. You can only do that if you take this researcher approach and start looking at the results you've created in a very curious way. Like what I like to do when I'm feeling something really negative, I like to just stop, let it pass through my body because you feel the sensation. It is in you, right? I mean, whether you're happy or you're sad, like you are feeling it in your body. And so what I like to do is just let it pass and then say something like this. (laughs) Well, that was interesting. Where did that come from? Let's go investigate. That's the approach I take on everything. That's the approach I like to use when I am going into discovery mode. I want to know what happened, where that thought came from. Is it a belief system? Is it something that was conscious, something unconscious? And what can I do differently next time? So I'm always, always approaching life like a researcher. So I am suggesting that you do the same, my friend. All right. So Principle number three is you get to change your mind about anything. Wow. Now, I think that this may be the most important principle, actually, this one right here, because you get to, as you're researching, as you're open-minded, as you're getting curious about what you've been creating in your life, you get to go and investigate. You get to figure out why you've been creating what you've been creating and how you can change that. So that's going to mean that you're going to have to remove, delete, or release some limiting beliefs that have been holding you back. So you have every right to change your mind around any of that. That's the beauty of this principle is that you get to 
change your mind about anything, about a relationship, about a circumstance, about a situation that you're in right now, you have every right to change it so that we can empower you, so that you are empowered to really grow and prosper and create these beautiful, magnificent lives. Listen, this is part of your evolution, right? Your personal evolution. I feel it is so important that if you want to evolve, you want to progress, you want to develop, then my friend, you should have the right then to change your mind around certain beliefs that have been holding you back. All right. Those were the three very simple, very simple principles that we're going to carry through our time together. You know, whether it's on uh, an episode here or whether you're reading one of my articles on mondlife.com, check it out. I have a weekly article that's published every Sunday morning. That's mondlife.com. We'll have the link in the show notes. So whether you're reading that article on a weekly basis or listening to me every week, or even on my email list, these are three guiding principles that I use in my private coaching practice. And you'll also see them embedded in all of my curriculum. So whether it's for the next level progress coaching program or even in the Deliberate Creators Club. Those are two memberships that I have. You can go check out drdenisesimpson.com to go get more information about these two memberships. So whatever work that you are reading or consuming or digesting that I have created, these three principles are embedded in all of that work. And I hope that you get to take these three principles and adapt them in your life. So thank you so much for your time, your focus, your attention. And I am looking forward to serving you on the next episode. You all take care. Bye. Hey, before you go, head over to my community of deliberate creators called Align 365. And it's over on Facebook. I want to support you on your journey to creating a life of immense love, joy, and alignment with your highest purpose. I do live coaching calls inside the group to help you with any objections from your mind and yes, from others. So head over to the community so we can get to know each other. Search Align 365. And again, that's A-L-I-G-N 365 in the Facebook search bar or head to my show notes for the link. Can't wait to meet you inside the group. See you there.